Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We've got a great guest all the way from Cape Girardeau in Missouri. Welcome to the show, Trevor Blattner. Victor, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Great to have you here. Now, Trevor, you've got an unusual career path into real estate investing. Maybe like my father, who was also a dentist, maybe give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this crazy corner of the industry from where you started. Yeah. So I, I actually grew up knowing I wanted to be in the healthcare field. When I was a kid, I thought I wanted to be a surgeon for some reason, even though that was outside the realm of my upbringing. My dad was a, a structural engineer. So much like you knew you weren't going to follow in, in your dad's footsteps, I knew I wasn't going to follow in mine simply because it wasn't where my passion lied. But I did learn enough about his industry, which happens to be a steel fabrication and industries related to that. So real estate development, commercial real estate, those kinds of things to, to have my head in that game a little bit as I, as I was kind of working my way through what my career path was going to be. As I worked in the operating room with other surgeons, when I was a kid, though, they all talked me out of it. Uh, and so, so they said, whatever you do, don't be a general surgeon because you'll be on call and your, your family life will suffer and it'll be a hard life. Also, the insurance industry was changing a lot at that time. And it's, of course, continued to do so. So along the way, I kind of made my way into to dentistry, sort of try that out and, and work for several dentists while I was in high school and college and figured out that that was going to be a good fit, you know, for me from a, from a healthcare interest standpoint and also a good family lifestyle. And then once I got into dental school, I discovered something called endodontics, which is the specialty of root canal treatment. <laughs> so everybody's favorite, uh, the root canal guy. And so I really was drawn to that because I, I've always been interested in treating people's discomfort and pain and getting people back on their feet as quickly as possible, which is what I do now. I have my own practice. We treat patients that are in acute pain with dental abscesses and, and things related to that. And so that's given me the ability to do many different things that I enjoy. One of those is investing in real estate. Of course, another is coaching and, and coaching other business leaders and, and, and writing. So I wrote my first book recently, and that's coming out in July. So got a few, few different things going. I love that. So your patients don't love you while you're working on them, but they love you after. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. They particularly don't love me when they walk in the door because everyone is completely beside themselves with, with terror. Just the idea of, of a root canal is very frightening to most people. So our mission when they come into our office is to leave them pleasantly surprised and comfortable when they leave. So I would describe my wife's last root canal as a personality change. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now you have to explain that a little bit. <laughs> I mean, her disposition changed completely. It wasn't just that she went from being in discomfort to, you know, to, you know, having that relief, but it was, it was really transformational. Just the amount of energy that it took for her to manage the pain over that time period she didn't realize, in fact, how much energy that was consuming. So it was. Well, that makes perfect sense. I think that's very normal. Yeah. You know, somebody has been, you know, sort of agonizing subconsciously for a number of days. And so, yeah, you're right. They're sort of like a flip of a switch after they finish up. So uh, that's always brought me a lot of joy, you know, to be able to kind of, you know, be that person for, for somebody and, and do what I can to help. So not the typical career path into real estate investing. Not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. 
So you've just written a book coming out this summer. It's called Redefining the Top 1%, and the subtitle is Seven Behaviors That Drive Shepherd Leadership. It's an intriguing subtitle. Tell me what that means. You know, I had gone back and forth as, you know, anybody that's written a book knows many times the title comes together after the book is written, or at least along the way. I kind of built these seven behaviors to be in, in sequential order, and I didn't have a particular label for them. But as I read through them as I, and I kind of brought them together, the theme of, well, first of all, I'm a, I'm a person of faith. So obviously the, the word shepherd brings to mind a certain visual, I think, for people. And that's not necessarily an accident with this title. So being a Christian, the word shepherd has special meaning for me in my life. And the idea is that these seven behaviors are meant to be a way that, that a leader is to behave, because we call them seven behaviors, so that those that are under their care, on their team, are having the desire to follow them. And they feel protected, and they feel cared for, and they feel like they have a mentor and somebody in their corner. And so, you know, it's very easy, I think, in in the field of leadership, it's a cottage industry. And so there's a lot of philosophical discussion and theoretical discussion. So I tried to create a book that would give very tangible step-by-step behaviors that people can build into their lives to sort of become the person that others want to follow. Well, the whole notion of shepherd, what doesn't matter whether you're approaching it from a biblical standpoint or not, is the notion that you don't control things, you influence them. Mm. And Well said, yeah, that's correct. It's that recognition. It's, it's the same concept in stewardship. You don't own anything. You're simply the caretaker of it for a while. Yeah, I think that's a great point because I think the idea of stewardship is foundational to the ideas in this particular philosophy, you know, the shepherd leadership philosophy is that just as you said, you know, we have, we've been gifted, you know, with a set of particular strengths that we had the decision to make to either use those strengths and hone those skills that we've been gifted with to use our lives to become generous to others and take care of those things we've been given, or we can make the, the decision otherwise to live a life that's self-centered and focused on, you know, what more can I get? What more uh, am I entitled to versus, you know, what more can I give and what more can I offer, you know, to those people that are under my leadership? And I think that's just a fundamental difference. And stewardship is a huge part of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about your foray into real estate. What does that look like? At this point, I finally own my own commercial building that I practice in, which has been a nice transition. Of course, when I started my practice, I was a half a million dollars in debt <laughs> with student. You know, I had I had uh, about three hundred thousand in student loan debt, and then I had another two hundred thousand to start the practice. And so I didn't dive straight into real estate investing at that point. I got my feet underneath me, practiced for about five years. And then I was able to buy the building that I practice in, which has my unit, which is uh, about 1,600 square feet, and then another 2,800 that I'm able to lease out to a couple of other practitioners, which has been good. Currently, actually, my, my dad I was talking about earlier, he has a different mind than I do, but he, he and I are also very, very interested in you know, wealth creation, you know, not for its own sake, but for the adventure of it, and then also to be able to, to kind of use those resources to help do the things in life that we find valuable. So we're undergoing a project here shortly to develop about 50 acres of land that has been part of our family for a number of years. 
so we're kind of taking the, the leap here over the next couple of months to develop a residential neighborhood. So that's going to be a different adventure. And we're kind of just starting that process. But he's got the background. Uh, he's a, he's a, uh, actually a civil engineer by training. He had a steel fabrication company. So he's kind of retiring from that and moving into this. So we're going to work together on that project. I love that. That's, that's awesome. Now, one of the things that you said in your book is you focused on this concept of choosing leadership and managing your ego. Mm. What is that all about? As you go through the book, there, each of the behaviors sort of builds on the one before it. You know, so the one before choose leadership and manage ego is called recognize and optimize your higher self. And in the book, I contrast the higher self with what I call the primal self. The primal self really is it's another way of describing the ego. There's a study that many, actually it was a blog post. Some of the listeners probably are familiar with if they're in the personal development in any way, but there was a nurse by the name of Bronnie Ware that wrote a blog post in 2009. And she was a, basically a hospice nurse. So she was, she was nursing those that were in the last few weeks of their lives. And she was kind of caretaking them to, to just make the last few weeks as pleasant as possible for them. And she decided to kind of do some in-depth interviews with those that were willing. And she basically was asking them, you know, what are the things in your life you wish you had done differently? Or, you know, do you have a, a number of regrets or, or things that you would have changed? And she sort of listed those in order of, of most often mentioned over time. And by far and away, the number one thing that, that those close to death mentioned was that they, had, they wished they had had the courage to live the lives they wanted to live and didn't worry so much about what other people's thought, uh, what, other, what other people in life thought about the choices they were making. And so, you know, I think in many ways, when I say choose leadership, it really is about choosing to become the leader of one's own path in life. And I think the best leaders, you know, in the history of the world have chosen to take a stand in one way or another. You, know, you think of Martin Luther King Jr., for example, you think of Abraham Lincoln, uh, you think of George Washington, you think of King David. These are all people that are immediately recognizable as some of the greatest leaders of all time. And you can immediately think of particular causes that were far bigger than they were themselves as individuals that they chose to embrace and made those ideas and those principles more important than their own fame or their own lives, so to speak. And so I think the idea of choosing leadership and managing ego is very much like that. And I use the term manage ego on purpose because it was originally going to be refuse ego. And I think that as I was writing the book, it became clear to me that, that an ego is not inherently a bad thing, but it has to be managed so that it is used as a valuable tool rather than one that is detrimental to success. Well, exactly. Because if there was no ego, there would be no drive whatsoever. That's exactly right. Yeah. 100%. I think that that's a nuance, you know, that the ego is essential, but it has to be used and not abused. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. You said in the book, strategically design your reality. So one of the things that I've always believed, this is maybe just Victor's definition. There's a lot of people out there that are experiencing stress today. And my definition of stress, this is maybe not the dictionary definition, but my definition is that stress only exists in that gap between expectation and reality. If there's no gap, there can be no stress. It's in that gap that stress lives. 
So when you have those two variables, those are the only two variables, which one are you going to manage? You're going to manage the expectation or you're going to alter the reality because there is nothing else. How does that fit with what you're talking about? Well, I think it fits very well. And the book, you know, one thing I've been always very interested in is, is science in general. You know, I have a background, of course, in biological sciences. And then when I was in residency, I did a lot of research related to systemic health as it relates to uh, oral health and things like that. And so spent hundreds and th probably thousands of hours in research journals and, and doing, you know, reviews of, of peer-reviewed articles and those kinds of things. And so I've kind of lived in that world. I enjoyed doing the research around what do we know about reality and how it's actually observed by us now. And so the fields like quantum physics, a field called epigenetics, how do these fields come together to explain to the best of our ability at the present time, how we observe reality and in many ways, how we create reality. And so there's a principle that physicists have discovered that is Basically, it's called the observer effect. It's basically the fact that without a conscious observer, all energy remains in wave-like states. And in order to become material or physical matter, it requires an intelligent observer to be present. There are these experiments that are, I won't go into in detail, but they're called double-slit experiments. And those listening can, if they aren't familiar with them, they can look those up lots and lots of articles about these experiments, but it's the way that physicists have proven this concept. Uh, and what it really says is that energy, everything you know, that we observe in the material world is energy in various forms. What physicists are understanding is that we are really creating our own reality moment to moment based on uh, our expectation, based on our past experiences, based on the ideas that we put into our body because the field of epigenetics, for example, is, is telling us that we are actually able to change the makeup of the, the internal structure of our cells based on the proteins on the outside cell membrane, which are alterable by our states of mind and by the, uh, the particular thought patterns that we have. So it's really somewhat fascinating as you dive into it, which we do in detail in the book, how much control we have over our circumstances and the world we observe to be what we consider reality. Well, Trevor, if folks want to learn more, if they want to connect or maybe even get on a list for an advanced copy, what's the best way? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, of course, the book is available on Amazon for pre-order. Redefining the Top 1% is the name of the book. But also, they can just go to our website. It's drtrevorblotner.com, D-R-T-R-E-V-O-R. B-L-A-T-T-N-E-R.com. And the book page is right at the top. So that's got all the info available. And anybody that pre-orders the book, we're going to make the audio version available for free as well. We've created a workbook that goes with it, a little bit more expansive than the exercises that are in the book itself. And so both of those are, are free gifts with anybody that pre-orders. So would love people to get involved with us in the launch and appreciate you having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Fantastic. Well, Trevor, thank you for the perspective. I've read through not 100% of the book, but I've read through parts of it. It's very well written. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Trevor at drtrevorblattner.com. The link is in the show notes. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.